Hello and welcome to Sounds Heal Podcast. I am your host, Natalie Brown, and thank you for joining me as we continue to dive into the fields of sound healing, sound therapy, and using sound for health and wellness. I've so enjoyed bringing you this podcast series this year, bringing you different perspectives, information, and just having very interesting conversations with people that are in this field of sound. I am very much looking forward to continuing this exploration and bringing of awareness as we enter 2020. The focus and attention on these modalities of sound continues to blossom and grow, and someone really at the forefront of this is Eileen McCusick. Eileen McCusick is a researcher, an award-winning author, and the founder of Biofield Tuning, a groundbreaking sound therapy modality. In her book, Tuning the Human Biofield, is a book that I come back to often. I remember when I was first using tuning forks, I kept finding things in sessions that then after I read her book and saw how she, after years of researching the electromagnetic field, mapped the biofield, I just had so many aha moments. And recently I've listened to some of her presentations, her talks, And I had these aha moments, these things that clicked. And she's currently working on her second book, which is going to detail electrosonic cosmology. And we get into talking about how does this electromagnetic field and sound relate? What do they have to do with each other? And just the explanations, the information that she's able to provide and explain, I think is going to bridge and connect so many dots for people. I just really appreciate the ways that she explains things. And in the end, we really talk about empowering ourselves and raising our voltage. So I hope you enjoy this podcast with Eileen McCusick. My understanding is you first got into sound through being a massage therapist. Yes, I did. I was a massage therapist briefly. Okay. (laughs) I started to... um, use tuning forks in my massage practice uh just out of curiosity i had been reading about the use of sound and color and vibration healing basically vibrational medicine and it just seemed to make a lot of sense to me you know it after reading learning about you know that essentially everything is vibration right matter is kind of an illusion and everything is really just vibrating fields when you get right down to it Um, I thought that, you know, treating vibration with vibration made a lot of sense. And so I read a whole bunch of books. This was back in the mid nineties where there wasn't an awful lot out there about sound healing. And, um, and then I got a catalog in the mail that had a set of tuning forks for healing. And so I was like, Oh, look at those. I think I'll order them (laughs) sort of on impulse. And then I started introducing them into my massage practice and, uh, and they, you know, even though I didn't know what I was doing, because they didn't really come with instructions, uh, people started reporting, you know, good good outcomes from it and started asking for more. And um, I just found the whole process so intriguing that, you know, that I stayed with it. And actually, it's been 23 years now that I've been working with sound and it's really evolved, um, you know, into what we call biofield tuning, which is the method that uh, that I teach and that students become certified in. And now we have uh, thousands of students and hundreds of practitioners worldwide. Mm. 
And so did you kind of uh, work around the body and you're like, what is this? And actually find the term biofield tuning? Because that's been around since the 90s too. Or biofield itself, that term has been around since the 90s. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. The term biofield was actually coined, I think, in 1994 by a panel of National Institute for Health uh, scientists to give a word to the body's electromagnetic system. And, and that's really what it is, is that the body is electric and anything that has an electric current running through it has a magnetic field around it. I and mean, that's just basic physics. And so the biofield, you know, describes the body's electromagnetic system and the field that surrounds and interpenetrates it. So when you were first um, using a tuning fork on, on people, were you finding kind of spots that would, feel, does it feel more like a magnet in your hand? And you, you were just wondering why, why is this happening? And then you came across research that kind of explained this electromagnetic body? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I was uh, observing very strange things <laughs> that I didn't understand. You know, I like the sound that the tuning fork would act like a magnet, that it could actually move energy around. Um, I also observed that it acted like a um, like um, a metronome in that, you know, the body's rhythms would entrain to it. So if something in the body was running like too high and too fast and someone was experiencing anxiety, um, that the tuning fork would initially sort of find that and resonate with it. And I'd be able to be like, wow, that's, that's anxiety. You know, it feels like fear. And, but just holding it uh, wherever I found those spots, it was like the body became like a self-tuning instrument and it would use that input and that biofeedback to regulate itself. And, you know, so elegant, you know, so simple, like our bodies are self-tuning instruments and it's really can be as simple as, tuning you know retuning ourselves like just like we know instruments get out of tune cars get out of tune people get out of tune mm -hmm. and um and so you know tuning forks actually get us back in tune mm. and just to kind of get a, an understanding of we hear the terms biofield and aura and energy field and electromagnetic body is this all the same thing yeah it's okay. all the same thing yeah it's all the same thing you know and i could use the word um I could use the word aura or I could use the word human energy field. But what I'm really kind of interested in doing is understanding and describing the science of what's going on. And I find I get really pained by the whole uh, woo woo pseudoscience um, sort of mainstream approach to energy medicine and things like this. You know, there's a sort of denial in the current medical model of our electromagnetic bodies. And, you know, and there's, there's even this sort of dictate that there's no, there's no field and there's no such thing as a field and this is all nonsense. Um, and then it all kind of gets relegated into like pseudoscience. And, you know, in my observations, like what was happening was an input and a response. Like there's something going on. <laughs> there, there, there is, there's, there has to be, if we are um, getting consistent outcomes in the application of sound. There has to be a science behind uh, what is going on. And so uh, as an adult, I actually went to college and ended up writing a master's thesis on uh, called Exploring the Effects of Audible Sound on the Human Body and its Biofield. 
and really took a deep dive into the science. That's where I discovered the term biofield. And, um, and through my thesis and then my book, Tuning the Human Biofield, uh, I seek to explain from a scientific perspective, not from a Vedic perspective or an Eastern perspective or a you know, metaphysical perspective, but from an actual like, what is the science of what is happening in the body when it is exposed to coherent sound like this? And, and it's really very simple. I mean, most people, you know, have a musical playlist that most people use music to shift their state. You know, it's very understood that if you're, you know, that it can pump you up, it can settle you down, it can make you cry. Um, and a, a single tone instrument has the same effect. Uh, you know, just a tuning fork is producing a single coherent sound. It's a tone generator. You know, sometimes, like when I was in Connecticut back in the 90s and I was telling people that I was doing sound healing with tuning forks, you can imagine the kind of skepticism <laughs> I encountered, right? Mm -hmm, and so mm -hmm. what I ended up doing was shifting my language around. And I started saying, I'm a researcher who's been studying the effects of sound on the body, and I'm using acoustic frequency generators to do it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then as soon as I changed that language, people were like, oh, you're a scientist. Like, I approve, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. and, and what have you discovered? <laughs> so, you know, so much of um, how we perceive things has to do with the words that we're using to describe them and how people have been indoctrinated into certain kinds of language. And, you know, so, so Christians might look at this and, you know, be like, Oh, that's, you know, of the devil. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but at the same time, they are listening to music, you know, so it's, and, and experiencing state changes from that. It's really, it, it's a very, very simple premise, basically of resonance and entrainment. Um, that the tuning fork will initially resonate with whatever distortion is present, whether it's a physical injury, whether it's a imbalanced emotion, whether it's a non-beneficial mental state like perseveration. The tuning forks will find in the field where that rhythm and pattern is being held, both in the body and the field. And then it will, that's how we, we determine, you know, we find things based on the fork going distorted all of a sudden. And we just stay there and reflect that back to the body. And then we entrain the body into a more coherent expression. Because that's what the body wants to do. The body wants to be in tune. The body is designed to be in tune. So does it kind of um, decouple from a, like a chaotic wave, right? There's a distortion that dissolves and then resolves. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And what's really interesting is that I've come to see what we call the biofield, which I see as a, a toroidal uh, bubble, basically an electromagnetic bubble that is bounded um, like a like a double layer membrane. So the Earth has uh, what we call the magnetosphere. It's a double layer plasma membrane. It's an area of greater electrical charge that protects us from too much incoming solar radiation and space radiation. And the sun has one too. You know, the sun is a plasma organism. Um, it is electric and it also has this field that's called the heliosphere. So this is a, a fractal construct in nature we see at many different scales. And so this, so our own field has a boundary um, that's about five to six feet away from us, sort of on the sides, front and back, and then about two to three feet at our heads and feet. And, um, and inside this bubble is the territory that I've actually mapped. I've mapped it with sound, many, many thousands of hours in a very quiet space, bouncing sound off people and listening 
to the sound that comes back. And what emerged over the course of a number of years was a pattern. I started having this sort of pattern recognition as I was working. And this entire sort of anatomy and physiology of the biofield revealed itself to me. And what I found was that it, it holds all our memories. Um, that our memories are actually encoded vibrationally in standing waves in this field in a very specific format. So, you know, as we go through our day, our week, our month, we're continually uh, both have feeling things, you know, in response to like life plucking heartstrings um, and being, you know, being exposed to inputs. And so what I found was information from uh, conception and gestation was was held in that outer boundary. And as we exited the boundary, uh, we come into birth and then earliest childhood. And reading the field is kind of like dropping a needle on an album, you know, to the outside of the album. And as we go through, the waves produced by the forks interface with the standing waves in the field. So if I'm working on somebody who's 60, um, I find information from when they were 30, um, about halfway through the field, between the edge of the field and their body. And if that person went through a divorce, for example, and they were terrifically sad and wounded um, by that, I'm going to find that particular story, that particular memory uh, off the left shoulder. Because anytime we generate the vibrational tone of sadness, that's the sort of file drawer in the field where that memory gets stored. And so when the fork hits that particular zone, you feel a sense of resistance and you hear distortion. And as the distortion starts to settle down, the energy that has been trapped or frozen in that memory, you know, let's just say we never really healed it or digested it, um, there's a part of ourself there. What in shamanism is referred to as a soul fragment and the idea that when we experience a significant trauma, a, a bit of us breaks off and kind of stays there. And, and that's what we find literal electric potential frozen in the field and the body. And the more electric potential we have frozen in the field due to trauma, uh, the more tension we have in the body, the less we breathe, um, the less sort of flow we experience. And so what happens is once the chaotic waveforms settle down, that energy decouples and we're able to use the fork like a magnet or broom to bring that energy back into the midline of the body, the central channel of the toroidal system where it, where it goes back into flow. And so the more sessions a person has, the more their electric potential gets liberated and their energy levels go up, um, their overall functioning improves, and they start to in, experience a greater degrees of freedom, you know, in every aspect of their life, because we're all bound by our biography in a lot of ways. And not just ours, but also our ancestors. You know, we inherit patterning um, that comes from the people who came before us. We, we come sort of preloaded with what I call tonal proclivities, meaning that if, you know, your mom was depressed and her mom was depressed and her mom was depressed, that tonal expression of depression, which through the fork sounds, uh, you hear an undertone, it's a kind of like, and that's just in your DNA, you know, that's in your inner music. 
And so we can actually, you know, locate exactly where that tone is in the field. It's very often, again, off the left shoulder, reflect it back to the body. And it's like you've got a little person on an inner mixing board, you know, that's listening to that input and going, wow, that's really flat. <laughs> and, and the body will adjust so that it hears itself as more harmonious. It will, it will like I said earlier, it just kind of auto-tunes. Um, and, and it, you know, has the effect, I think the number one word that most people use to describe how they feel after a session is lighter. I feel lighter. You know, because life can be really heavy. And when we've had a lot of traumas and a lot of wounds, you know, or even just an ordinary life, right? Things can get really heavy. And then, we, you know, we don't want to get out of bed. And we, you know, we want to do this. Like the spirit is willing, but the body's like, you just don't have the juice to, to do this. That what we're really doing is we're liberating that juice to, to get, to be available to you. And, and once that's available, you become more creative. Um, you become more proactive, you, you, life becomes more effortless, like you're able to, to align the spirit, the body, the mind and the emotions so that you don't self-sabotage so that, you know, you, you start to um, really, I think, fulfill your mission. I, I think we're all here to do great things. We're, we're every single one of us just being human is being an amazing thing. Mm. And one of the things that I really discovered in working with the body is just how brilliant our bodies are and how kind of lame our programming <laughs> is. Mm. You know, we're like supercomputers that have all of this capability and, uh, and we're, we're programmed with a lot of shame and guilt and self-doubt and lack of worthiness and um, you know, all just all kinds of stories that are essentially signal jammers that stop us from realizing our own greatness. Mm. And, you know, and everybody knows that they have this potential, right? I mean, mm. every single person I've ever worked on, when I kind of uncovered their greatness and reflected it back to them, they've been like, yeah, I knew that. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's not just healing, it's really reaching uh, potential, reclaiming electric potential, um, mm -hmm. right? So this is not just necessarily about traumas. I mean, this is great for athletes, performers, just getting that yes. noise out of the signal, whatever it is that's holding somebody back from reaching yeah, that potential. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I've worked with a lot of athletes, a lot of musicians, you know, musicians are all like, wow, my voice, you know, mm. it's more resonant. It's more deep. I feel more embodied. Um, athletes, absolutely. You know, because as an athlete, you want to be in a state of flow. You want to be in a state of optimum performance. And when we have these imbalances in our field, it makes us more, uh, you know, creates areas of potential weakness in the body mm -hmm. when we have these deep underlying patterns of tension. Um, and so just by bringing, helping to relieve that tension and bring the whole system into coherence and flow, it absolutely ups uh, athletic performance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And let's unpack this word electric a little bit. I know you were saying in a recent talk that with your new book you're working on, publishers are confused about why you're talking about electricity. I thought you were in sound. So what is the difference between sound and electricity? Because I know you believe they're actually um, connected. You know, why is there this disconnect between sound yeah. and electricity? <clears throat> Yeah, there really is. And it's been really interesting to discover that. Like when we were shopping around for publisher for my second book, I had several publishers say, well, 
you know, she's known for her work with sound and this is electricity. Like that's something different. Like we wish we had published her book on sound. And I was like, wow, okay. My book is called Tuning the Human Biofield. The biofield is the electromagnetic body. I have a YouTube video from 2013 called Electric You, Electric Universe. Like I've been talking about electricity <laughs> all along. And as I talk about in my thesis, what I talk about in my book. Um, and yeah, I think if you go and you look up a standard definition of, you know, what's the difference between sound and electricity, um, you are going to read that uh, electricity does not require a medium to propagate through. So, so sunlight, you know, can, can travel through the empty vacuum of space, um, whereas sound needs a medium to travel through, right? So, so right there is one of the disconnects. Um, the thing is, is that the definitions are tricky because there's two definitions of sound. And one is sound within the range of human hearing, which is 20 to 20,000 hertz or cycles per second. But that's just a definition as sound in relation to humans, right? Because dogs hear sound in a different frequency wavelength, right? Dog, like a dog whistle. So that's still sound, <laughs> but it's not human sound. So uh, I prefer the definition that sound is actually um, any type of wave, you know, any type of traveling wave through space is sound. Um, and so vibrations at any, at any level from zero Hertz to 10 million Hertz, you know, is a, a traveling wave, it's vibration. So electricity, so we what we're, we've been conditioned to think of sound, light, electricity, and even say music as all different things. Um, and, and part of the, the linchpin in this entire conversation, even beyond the sound definition, is this concept of a state of matter called ether that has been taken out of our cosmology. So back in the day in the late 1800s and early 1900s when people like um, Tesla, uh, Maxwell, um, JJ Thompson, you know, all these guys were really discovering and studying and naming electricity. They all saw that electricity was the movement of energy through the ether. And that the, the ether is basically like what's called the luminiferous ocean of clear light, that it is, it is a medium in space that has electric potential and that when vibrations move through it, you know, that, that that's energy. And so because we've taken the ether out of our cosmology, um, you end up with this, this difference between light and what we call light and electricity and what we call sound. Um, I feel, and many, 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 many other scientists do, that we, we need to put ether back into the equation because it really solves a lot of problems all around. And, um, you know, just for example, uh, distance healing. So we do biofield tuning at a distance. And uh, for years, people asked me, you know, can you do this at a distance? And I was like, that is the stupidest question ever. Like, 
no, like this is sound waves on the body. Like this is physics people. Like, I can't even believe you're asking me that stupid question. Like I was really arrogant mm-hmm. about it mm-hmm. and really, really skeptical. I'm a very skeptical person. You know, I I'm skeptical of everything it kind of annoys the people around me because I question everything. <laughs> um, and so uh, one day, one of my friends who's an MD in California convinced me to try a distance session on him. And, uh, and he lay down in his office in California and, um, and he said, just pretend that I'm on your table and see what happens. He's like, and we weren't in touch. We, we did not have an open phone line or anything. We just connected by intention. And so I approached the table and much to my amazement, um, I was able to, to perceive, to read and to modulate his field. And I went through and I took notes because this is something I do in person. Like I can, I can go through your field and I can tell you your whole life story. I can tell you every age you had an accident or injury. I can tell you the states of mind that you regularly inhabit. I can tell you the personality of your mom, the personality of your dad, the quality of the relationship between you. I can tell you if you've got any organs that aren't right because every pathology makes a noise. Just like when your car develops a problem and you can tell because there's some funking going on, <laughs> you know, if your liver starts to dysfunction, it's going to thunk too. And you can hear that in the forks. You can hear an arthritic joint. It sounds different than a regular joint. Um, so it's very, it's a really unique diagnostic system for determining, you know, what, what is out of balance in the body because it makes noise. When things are healthy and groovy, they just make music. Um, and so, uh, you know, I took notes on, on everything and uh, we got on the phone afterwards and I read my notes and he's like, Eileen, that's all exactly right. And, and I experienced a state change. Like I could feel you working on me. Mm. And I was like, wow, I guess I was wrong. (laughs) I guess I can do this at a distance, Mm -hmm. but how, like, how is that even possible? Right. How is it possible that with no communication that he's there and I'm here and I can read his field as if he is. So that's a bit of a mind bender. And a lot of people who are mainstream oriented because we don't have any kind of explanation for this. It becomes like spooky action at a distance or just, you know, we're all clearly deluded because this sort of thing is impossible, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what I thought. So, but if you, if you consider the ether as this medium that basically the ether turns into, it spins through torsion waves and pressure and it creates these vibrations in itself. It turns itself in this spinning motion into the state of matter we call plasma. And plasma is electricity. The sun is a plasma. The the solar wind is a plasma. Northern lights are a plasma. Lightning is a plasma. Neon lights are a plasma. Our our biofield is a bioplasma. And and plasma can occur in like concentrations like the sun or it can be very diffuse like intergalactic space. And the thing is, is that the plasma, so this is something that even NASA is starting to say, is that the universe is is a plasma environment that is connected through like these, uh, what in plasma cosmology is called Birkeland currents. And basically they're, they're like wires that connect galaxies. And, uh, and this idea that sound doesn't travel through space is actually erroneous mm-hmm. because sound does travel through plasma. Mm-hmm. So, so not only, you know, sp- is space not a vacuum, there's two things there that we're <laughs> not taught about. One is this connecting medium that all of reality arises from. It's all one thing. It's all one thing. And ultimately, as humans, 
you know, if you think about if your field is around your body and I can read your memories around your body, right? That means you are outside of your body. So where do you end? Where's the boundary of you? There isn't one. We are all infinite beings. And we are all part of the plasma. We are all part of the ether. It's it's all one, it's all one thing. And I think, you know, our culture is so because we've gotten rid of the two connecting mediums in the cosmology, the ether, the one that everything comes out of, the plasma, the, the fundamental electric charge that, you know, plasma condenses into gas and that condenses into liquids and then solids. But it's all coming from the ether. So, so plasma and ether are connective mediums of light. And we're all living in a world of solid, liquid, and gas and everything being disconnected, separate, and dark. Because our cosmological story is one of darkness, you know, black holes, dark energy, dark matter. It's all mysterious, you know, <laughs> it's all entropy. It's all dark, disconnected, pointless, random, and going down. And so we all live with that cosmology in the back of our mind. And, and what is the number one thing that most people are suffering from, but a sense of separation. Mm -hmm. and, and I would trace that sense of separation all the way back to our cosmological story and the elimination of these two states of matter and the obfusic, I can't think of the word how to say that, but you know, and it's become obscured. Mm -hmm and become, you know, and I think part of it too is the division between science and spirituality and the deal that was made hundreds of years ago, you know, like you guys can go off and study like spirit and soul and uh, we're going to stick to what's physical and tangible. And so I would even go so far as to say that our bioplasmic bodies are our soul and that the ether is what we would call spirit or holy spirit. And this is coming back to the word thing and the trouble with the words, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, this idea that we are electric beings, um, most people kind of like have the dots, but they don't have the dots connected. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I'm really seeking to do in my next book is be like, okay, your heart is electric. If your heart stops and you happen to be in a hospital, what are they going to do to jumpstart it? They're going to use electricity. Mm -hmm. the, the same electricity that is coming out of that wall and into that device is the exact same electricity that powers your heart. Now, it works a little different in a biological organism than it does in a machine, but not really, you know? It's the juice of life. It is the life force. And, um, you know, your brain. <clears throat> Most people know that they have brain waves, you know? Well, those are electric. Your bones are piezoelectric crystalline structures that make electricity when they're compressed. Your blood carries a charge. Your, um, all your fascia is conducting electric energy. Your collagen microfiber system that goes throughout your whole body is a semiconductor. Now we've been so conditioned to think of ourselves chemically and mechanically that if something goes wrong with you, then you need drugs or surgery to fix you. But what I've really found is that the problem begins in, in the electromagnetic system of the body with areas of resistance or off rhythmness, <laughs> and then that causes the physiology to go south. So we're getting <clears throat> into the underlying template that is dictating what's happening in the chemistry and the, the mechanics of the body and working to correct that. And it's much more elegant, it's much more efficient, you know, it, it's very efficient. 
and um, and you know the the whole sort of lock and key thing on cell membranes makes us think that everything that happens in our body is happening because of chemistry, but it's not. It's all light. It's very it's a light speed. You know, you watch a a tremendous athlete doing all kinds of turns, and you're like, there's no way her body is communicating through the slow speed of chemistry. Like it's all tied into one electric unit and it's all instantaneous communication. So it's a very different way of considering our bodies. And what I found, you know, back in 2010, when I sort of started on this journey, um, I had been studying health for a long time. I've been studying health pretty much nonstop since I was 18 and I'm 51 now. And, um, and I had spent thousands of dollars on books and workshops and this and that and programs. And, you know, I was still overweight. I was broke. I was miserable. You know, I had this sort of low level background angst that just would not go away, despite everything that I'd done. And then in 2010, I started training students to do my method. Uh, the, and uh, and started getting worked on for the first time ever. And in 2010, I also discovered plasma you know, the fourth state of matter, which I'd never heard of. I'd only learned about solid, liquid, and gas. And as I went down the plasma rabbit hole, I, I realized that I had found what I was looking for, that I, I had been looking for something to make me feel connected to the world around me. So, you know, we can say in yoga or whatever, you know, all this spiritual stuff, like all is one, but then we have a scientific cosmology of, of atomism, you know, like units of matter and this, and the story that everything is separate. Mm. And how can you reconcile your right brain and your left brain? How can you reconcile, you know, if somebody has the experience of sort of seeing the light, you know, that waking up to their own electromagnetic body and the fact that they have light within, we only have a religious context to frame that in. You know, so it's like, well, what, I've just seen the light. So do I need to become a born again Christian? Am I Jesus Christ? Like what's going on here? So to recognize that this inner light is actually a biological reality, I think is a huge relief to people who've been raised in a secular environment. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that the same light that is powering the stars and, you know, the, the heavens and, and the world around me is the same light that's in me. It's all one light. It's all one light. It's all one electricity. That's life. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and to like it was such a relief to my mind. <laughs> I was yeah. like, oh my god, this is what it is. It's the cosmological story. That's the problem. It's our it's our whole misunderstanding. It's our missing these states of matter. And so with two more states of matter under my belt, I was able to solve all the problems that I could not solve in the world of solid, liquid, and gas. Mm -hmm. I was able to get healthier. I was able to get stronger. I was able to understand that abundance comes from feeling connected. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which a lot of people don't, right? We, we, We get abundant from where we are connected, our networks. Right. Right. You know, I mean, money is a part of that, but the more connected you are, the more money flows around. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, just, just pretty much every problem that I've been struggling with when I added these states of matter and the resources available to me through these states of matter, I was able to solve all of those problems. Right. So, I mean, just that concept to put in back into mind that's been removed from science, from our cosmology, that space isn't empty. It's full of plasma and sound does travel through space and 
you know, this, gosh, I mean, doesn't that just change our whole perspective, the, these forces yeah. of connectivity? And that sound is just as much a part of the electromagnetic spectrum as light and electricity. There is exactly. no, there is no disconnect. There is no disconnect. Yeah. There is no disconnect at all. It's yeah. all, but it, it, it's all waves traveling in the ether and you can get all bent and be like, well, longitudinal waves and transverse waves and all that. It's all simultaneous you know? <laughs> and sound and light and everything in nature propagates spirally. Like, like the sun, for example, light from the sun propagates spirally and spherically and geometrically. Mm. Like, you know, we see these two dimensional, like here's just another place where there's a lot of confusion is that we're told that sound is a longitudinal wave and yet it's always depicted as a transverse wave right, right. as a two-dimensional sine wave that makes it flat and so you're missing this whole um spiraling three-dimensional you know water travels in spirals blood travels in spirals everything in the ether travels in spirals that's just the way nature is you know, you look at the Fibonacci sequence and the way that a fern will open up, you know, <laughs> just the spiraling unfurlment of life. Um, and th th this idea of <clears throat> the spiral has been taken away. <laughs> We're not even taught about that. And so sound becomes this weird sort of two-dimensional flat thing that travels in a line. And that's simply not even true. And if you study cymatics, which you can go on YouTube and search cymatics, C-Y-M-A-T-I-C-S. It's a study of how waveforms impact um, matter. And what you see is that every pattern that arises is created by sound. So the sound current underlies uh, everything. You know, everything, there's a Vedic saying, not a Brahma, all is sound. Mm -hmm. we, you could just as easily say all is light, all is electricity, all is traveling waves in the ether. Mm -hmm. it, it's all the same thing. So that that's where this disconnect is. You know, like people don't get that it's all part of the electromagnetic spectrum. That's all there is is the electromagnetic spectrum. Is waves in ether. Right. Why do you, why do you think it's been propagated? Why is there this you know propagation of separation? Well, you know, here we're kind of getting into what some people might call uh, conspiracy theory. Mm. But, you know, in my research about like trying to understand why the ether was removed from the cosmology, um, I would say divide and conquer. Mm -hmm. If we want to make it as simple as we possibly can, I think that nobody would disagree that the forces of this plane um, seek to keep humans weak and divided. Mm-hmm. And so it creates an internal, people are internally divided. That's where a lot of autoimmune stuff comes from, mm. is that, you know, self develops a, a second self or a third self, a construct of an inner critic that is constantly attacking and berating and negating the self. And so that shows up in autoimmune disorders where self is attacking self. So, so we see this inner division, that inner division gets projected into outward division. And um, there's, you know, so if you remove these unifying forces of nature from people's minds, mm. then you have, you have people who are weak, isolated, guilty, ashamed, depressed, and people like that will become consumers because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. they are looking for something outside themselves to fill the hole that is inside themselves. Right. 
And so uh, another thing, as far as the ether goes, um, you know, Tesla, for example, um, now a lot of people at this point, because of the Tesla car, have heard of Nikola Tesla. Mm-hmm. But, you know, 10 years ago, nobody, most people, unless you're a hardcore geek like me, had no idea who Nikola Tesla was. This is one of the greatest minds of our time who gave us so many things we use today. And yet he has, is not, nobody learns about Tesla in school because Tesla harnessed the power of the, Tesla totally understood ether and plasma. He harnessed it. He wanted to give free energy to everybody. And so, so Tesla and ether and plasma were all taken out of textbooks and science, you know, and what we got left with is like quantum blah, 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 which makes no sense. Einsteinian relativity, which makes no sense. You know, the, uh, the current ast- astrological reports that everything we get science by press release that has to do with space and the nature of reality is like, whoa, we're confused. <laughs> so we don't, the things that are supposed to give us answers about the nature of life, the science has gone down this blind alley that is incomprehensible and makes no sense to people. You know, in the beginning of this journey, I was like, I'm going to understand quantum. You know, I'm going to figure out how quantum theory relates to what I'm doing with sound. And it was like going into a swamp. Like, mm-hmm. nowhere. Mm-hmm. Because there's so many different definitions of quantum. And real quantum mechanists get to be in their bonnet whenever somebody like Deepak Chopra starts invoking quantum to, to talk about consciousness. Like, they, the, the keepers of the word quantum don't want woo people. Mm-hmm. you know, using it to, to describe something. And it doesn't really make any sense. And the trouble even with like quantum entanglement, this idea that this thing here can be influenced immediately by that thing there is still spooky action at a distance because the medium is missing. It's still, it's still quantum entanglement is still happening in a vacuum. It's not happening in this luminiferous ocean of light where right. all things are one, mm-hmm. right? So anybody who starts talking about quantum, blah, 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 I'm like, yeah, that's not really helpful. And if you look up the word quantum, the definition is very tiny. Hmm. Like, what does that even mean? Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So, so I don't, I don't, you know, I don't use those terms. I've kind of sidestepped all that. Mm-hmm. And to me, the ether is a very elegant explanation for why distance healing works, for mm-hmm. why spooky action is because they're all happening in one thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So, gosh, I mean, in the bigger picture of this, it's really the degree of health you're experiencing correlates with the de- your degree of freedom. Oh, yeah. I mean, right? that's my favorite definition yeah. of the word health is freedom. You know, mental health is free from worry, perseveration, you know, negative thought constructs, trying to eat you alive, um, emotional freedom, you know, having a healthy relationship with your emotions. This is a really big part of this work is because most of us are just taught to suppress our emotions. You know, most of us growing up, you start to express emotions. Mom and dad are like, no, 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 no. <laughs> and so we end up as human beings having these emotional experiences that we don't know what to do with. It wasn't modeled to us how to manage them. And so we just suppress them. You know, we, we suppress our anger. We suppress our sadness. We suppress our grief. We carry on. We stay busy or we, you know, we use drugs or shopping or whatever um, in order to try to manage these emotions. You know, addiction has nothing to do with the substance. 
and everything to do with that emotion that you're trying to manage with it because you don't know what else to do with it. And so this is a big part of this next book is explaining our electric bodies, our our um and and what a, what an emotion is in our body, you know, and how emotions get stuck in our field. When 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 an emotion is generated, it it's a waveform. It it is it rises up, it crests into our awareness, and then it falls away. You watch a kid have an emotional experience. It only it doesn't last very long at all, right? <laughs> And so it's not the having the emotion that's the problem. It's the process of that emotion. When it's generated, it actually generates a molecule in the body. And so if you, you know, you suddenly get angry about something, but you don't want to express that because you want to be good or nice, and you go eat a brownie instead, what you are doing is you are suppressing the expression of that emotion. So that molecule that got generated now has to go find a place to live because it hasn't fulfilled its destiny of expression. Once, once we express that emotion, once that emotion moves through us, then that molecule gets recycled in the body. So people end up with like backlogs of all these emotions. Like they, there's, a, there's a thing I call stuff and blow where people will stuff and stuff and stuff an emotion until they can't anymore. And then they'll blow. <laughs> with too much charge for whatever just happened. And then they'll get pushed back because it was too much. And then they'll be like, oh, I don't like confrontation and this never works. And then they go back stuffing until they blow again. This is such a huge waste of energy because, because every emotion that gets generated that has, like, it is life in you. And if you keep suppressing your emotions, you're suppressing your life force. And then you have less and less and less energy available to you because it's all hiding out in your liver or your hips or your butt or your thighs or wherever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and then, so healthy emotional management, you know, biofield tuning helps us to kind of dredge up and move through and digest these emotions that we've suppressed and then teaches us how to just flow with them. Like I'm an emotional windsock, you know, I cry, I laugh, I feel anything very easily. I just allow whatever is coming to just move through like a wave. And so a, a big part of the book is about understanding your emotions, where they can affect you in your body and how to manage them better so that you start liberating more and more of your electric potential into flow instead of stuffing it away in the little boxes here and there, you know, like all around your field. We're just, we're surrounded by little locked boxes of energy in our fields. And, you know, healing trauma, you can go, oh, well, you know, that that's kind of heavy duty. But the flip side of it is, is that every locked box of a difficult experience or painful emotion is actually a gift. Because when that energy reintegrates into you, it suddenly has the ability to um, be used proactively. So, you know, coming back to that idea of liberating potential again, and I I actually find that the more trauma people have had and that they've had to learn to live with like less and less of themselves, they actually develop a lot of strengths so that when that energy now starts coming back into circulation, they become kind of like superheroes (laughs) because because they've been dragging around all this stuff and now suddenly they're not anymore. And it brings them to a level of strength and ability to cope, you know, that is amazing. Mm. Is that kind of, I'm just curious over these years and clients and all this work that you've done, is that kind of what's been your progression is just through working with people you're like, oh, what's happening here? And kind of just following another rabbit hole and, and just following your passion through these discoveries with your clients. 
Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, it definitely with clients, with students, um, you know, every single session with every single person is different mm -hmm. and you never know what you're going to encounter. You know, I mean, I've encountered, it can be very clinical, like, oh, you know, you're an athlete and you had a surgery and your range of motion isn't uh, what it should be. You know, so I recently, I treated a girl who was uh, 11 years old, who was a competitive ski racer and she had had a surgery and on her knee and a knee injury and she couldn't extend her she couldn't extend it fully even mm. when they put her under anesthesia they couldn't and in one session one session we restored complete range of motion mm. to her mm -hmm. um you know and she went back to see her orthopedic doctor and he was like oh what'd you do and they were like oh you know we saw a tuning fork healer and he's like oh great whatever works for you yeah you know instead of being like whoa you know what i mean mm -hmm. like i gotta send more people to this because it's outside of the context of the way that people have been trained they're yeah. like okay whatever tuning forks mm -hmm. Um, so, um, but it can also be very shamanic, you know, can, you can have, you can have really profound things happen, um, going into the shamanic realm, you know, just depending on how, who you're working with and what's going on. It can be clinical or it can be like, sort of like, whoa, <laughs> going into alternate realities almost. Um, and, um, I think I've learned a lot in classes, you know, when, in, when people come and learn biofield tuning, everybody has a turn working. So I've certainly been exposed to a great many sessions that way. Um, my practice actually got so busy that I couldn't manage it anymore. I was booking months out and um, it was stressful. You know, I'm supposed to be a wellness provider and it right. doesn't do me any good to be stressed. And so I ended up switching my format and I started doing, and I know this sounds so far out and this is nothing that I would ever avail myself to, to be quite honest. Um, but you know, necessity is the mother of invention. Uh, I started doing group distance sessions mm. and, uh, and that's what I've done for the last few years. I don't see clients one-on-one -on -one anymore mm -hmm. uh, and haven't for a while, but I uh, periodically conduct these group sessions and, um, and I have a whole archive of them on my website. People listen to these audio recordings of me doing a, an adjustment, working on a specific thing um, <clears throat> and claim that they have outcomes from them. So uh, so that, you know, and all of those are different, you know, like I just did, I just did one on releasing resistance and it was such a fascinating thing because I was expecting that as I went through the group field that I was going to be finding all of this resistance and helping it to let go. But what I actually found was like, instead of working with like a field of light and sound, like a whole field of information, it was like working with a checkerboard and all of these bits of data and information were missing from people's fields. Mm. It was like, it was like, yeah, I want to flow there, but the pathway isn't there for me to flow into. Mm. And so it was a whole process, not of releasing resistance, but around creating circuits for energy to flow. And as soon as I got to the resistance part, it let go right away because it had somewhere to go. Right? So mm -hmm. that was like, wow, I wasn't expecting that mm -hmm. at all. And, you know, I've done something like 300 of these over the last four years. And I put my own self into each hologram. So I create a hologram of everyone listening live, everyone who will ever listen to the recording. And I place my own energy body in that. So then I'm working on myself too. And after that particular one, I actually came home and I wrote a song just like, and it just plopped out of me. And I, and that's what I said in this group. I'm like, 
wow, I think that like whatever you've been in resistance of is just going to like let go so easily. And that was exactly my experience, you know, that I had this story uh, that I couldn't write a song and that's not my thing and whatever. And then just all of a sudden, this whole song, music, words, everything just plopped right out. <laughs> I was oh, like, wow. wow. So cool. Like I just created those circuits mm-hmm. of, of information to flow along and that resistance that I was holding is gone. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, so the, you know, so I've learned a tremendous amount from, from working on the groups and, and then continual study, you know, I've always got my nose in a book or a video or, you know, like I'm continue. I am just a insatiable sponge when it comes to information. And so, you know, I'm continually uh, evolving my understanding of what's going on. What are you really excited about in your research right now? What's just like, aha, awesome research that you're looking into right now? Well, um, there's a few different things because one, you know, I'm working on the second book. And mm-hmm. so I've been um, really kind of doing a deep dive into electricity and understanding electricity better. Nobody understands electricity, first of all. And I think the reason why nobody understands electricity is because the ether has gone from the equation and electricity is the, the ether, you know, splitting itself into positive and negative and going into a dance around that. And if you've taken out like the mother <laughs> of the equation, there's a, there's a lot of in the darkness around electricity. So trying to learn about that and trying to describe it to people has really been a bit mind bending. Yeah. Um, and that's been fun, but actually I'm sort of branching into music at the moment, cool. um, which is really where my journey kind of began back when I was, uh, 20, I, I started taking singing lessons and, um, I actually had seven different voice teachers over the course of seven years. And the first five told me that I would never be able to sing because I was tone deaf. They were like, we're playing middle C and you're just wildly off key all the time. So you are clearly have a physical deficiency of tone deafness and you will never be able to sing. Mm. And um, I'm a pretty stubborn person. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, no, you're a bad teacher next. Um, And what, what happened was when I finally got to my sixth teacher was when I discovered yoga and body work and uh, rolfing structural integration. And what I found was the reason why I didn't hear was because I had so much tension in my body mm. that um, that I grew up in a in a home where I'm the youngest of six and my siblings are six to twelve years older than me. So I just kind of grew up in a pack and I was always being attacked and I was always being tickled mm-hmm. and um, you know uh, camel bites and Indian rope burn and mm-hmm. uh, the claw coming after me and it was like. <laughs> you know, it wasn't terrible, terrible, you know, certainly people grow up in way worse kinds of environments than that. Um, But I also skipped two grades and I was um, the littlest and the youngest in school and I got picked on there. So I got picked on at home, I got picked on at school. And, you know, you think about that experience of what happens in the physiology when you are continually being picked on. So it's like super armored and super tense. And that that created a huge amount of distortion in my field that I'm trying to hear through. And all that I'm hearing is my own distortion. Mm. And as I, as I started to learn to come back into my body, because I was very disassociative, um, and I started to learn to breathe and to relax more, I suddenly started to hear. Mm. And... Um, and was, you know, and, and really made great strides and had a little band and, you know, was really like 
really feeling like music was the area that I really wanted to go into. Um, but then I got pregnant and the life happened and that all ended. And, um, and so now I'm kind of circling back to that. I'm coming back to I'm learning electric guitar. I'm, um, you know, learning songwriting. Cool. Um, yeah. and, and what I'm interested in doing is taking everything I've learned about resonance and entrainment and how we can use our intention mm-hmm. and, and t- sound to, to shift a state, right? Mm-hmm. But there's only so many people that are going to avail themselves to tuning fork healing. There's only so many people that are going to sign up to listen to me bang a tuning fork, you know, <laughs> for an hour. Sure. Uh, it's, a, it's a really limited audience. And mm-hmm. so what I'm interested in doing is sort of fusing everything that I've learned from tuning um, and, and incorporating that into just a popular music format that's great that's great yeah as a musician I came from the other direction you know a professional musician started violin when I was four and then got into the holistic health and energy so I think it's just I think it's just great and it's it's very exciting and I think uh you know for from both perspectives it can just be so opening and healing for yourself to be able to merge yeah. to merge the science and the art, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's been fun. You know, it's been I like to be uh on a kind of continual voyage of discovery. Mm-hmm. And even just in the couple months that I've been playing guitar, it's just really, you know, opened up all kinds of new pathways in my brain and my hand eye coordination. And um and I'm I'm really excited. And you know, especially too from from just a voice perspective is that having been exposed to tuning forks for 23 years now, like my own instrument of my body is very well tuned. You know, I've gotten the noise out of my signal. Um, I become sort of a coherent field. And so, you know, we, we know that the studies have been done that showed like if somebody's in the audience listening to a speaker that in a very short time, that speaker is going to entrain the audience into their state. And it's the same principle as a tuning fork. So, you know, can I, through my own hard-earned coherence, um, induce coherence in my audience mm-hmm. through, through our music and through, you know, through the voice? So, mm-hmm. yeah, so it's fun. It's fun to be doing something different. You know, the, the whole biofield tuning thing has kind of grown almost to a point where it doesn't even really need me anymore. I've got lots of teachers, right. I've got tons of practitioners. Um, it's gone out of the creation phase and into the maintaining phase. And mm-hmm. I'm a creator, you know, and an explorer. So, um, so I'm letting these guys hold it down while I run That's off great. and discover a new frontier. What a great place to be. Yeah. Yeah. I have just one other area I would love your opinion on. Um, as you call yourself skeptical, I think, you know, in this field of sound healing, sound therapy, that's just, gosh, you know, blossoming. I mean, it's really a buzzword and you see it everywhere right now. What do you advise your own students, um, to be skeptical about, or, you know, how to use discernment, um, when there, there can be a lot of disinformation out there? Well, truth has a ring to it. Hmm. You know, it really does. And I, I think that, again, you know, being taught by the forks that when, when we hit somebody's vibrational sweet spot and you get all that rich resonance of, you know, their inner orchestra just playing in tune together, um, there you, you feel it in your body. And that's really part of what makes me skeptical about so many things is that so many things don't ring true. You know, and and I'm not listening to the words. I'm listening to the resonance behind it. Like even something like, um, you know, 
spaces vacuum like that whole statement i look at that and i go that just doesn't ring true there's many 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 statements in the standard model um the way that we've been taught to look at the life universe and everything that just don't ring true and um you know kids have a bullshit meter we all do but we're told so much false information when we're growing up and then we we want to argue with it we're like yeah that doesn't seem true to me that like my bullshit meter is going off but then we're told you know just like einstein relativity theory i remember learning all about einstein and relativity theory and being like this doesn't make any sense like this just doesn't make any sense to me <laughs> at all and being told well einstein was a genius and you're not you can't even hope to understand these mm -hmm, things right mm -hmm. so so then you go wow my bullshit meter must be wrong i can't trust myself and so I just really encourage people to trust themselves, you know, that that's really what it comes down to. But biofield tuning, when people are learning it, you don't have to be intuitive. You don't, you don't have to be psychic or anything like that. You're working with your ordinary senses. I'm moving the tuning fork through the field. Wow, it's gotten more vibrating and it feels kind of resistant. That's not your intuition. Like, that's your ordinary senses. And, and, you know, you're, you, I see so many people have been told that their ordinary senses are something to not be trusted. And so a big part of this journey is really about you trusting your own senses, you knowing your own gut and, and resting in that, um, you know, does it ring true? Does it feel right? Does it make sense? So much of what I share in my books is stuff that when I came across it, like everything and every cell in my body rang and was like, oh, that makes mm -hmm. sense, right? And so when people get exposed to my work, when they read the book or they watch a talk, they're like, oh my God, this makes sense, right? Right. So it's got to make sense. And we got to trust our own senses. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just another way of saying, you know, your body wants to be in tune. Well, does something that somebody's saying are you are you in tune with that do you resonate with that exactly yeah yeah do you resonate yeah mm, so important mm -hmm. oh, well thank you so much I mean I just I could talk to you forever it's just really <laughs> I just love the way you explain things and it's um your perspective is, is so helpful um and beneficial I think especially during this time I mean it's such a um a difficult time and a scattered time for people um these aspects of being in tune that we're connected um gosh if just everybody could really have that perspective how different things would be so thanks for bringing yeah. this to to so many people and and for your work and enthusiasm that you have nice yes well it's been a you know it's been it's been a wonderful journey of discovery mm. and you know it hasn't felt effortful at all and i i really love sharing it because it makes you know i see the light come on in people mm -hmm. and um and you know the sort of mind opening and being like wow <laughs> and that gives me great joy so yeah so thanks for taking the time to have me on i oh, really yes. appreciate it thanks for taking your time it's been an honor great yeah. okay great have a, a wonderful rest of your day Yes, thank you. Okay, you too. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for joining this episode of Sounds Heal Podcast. You can keep up to date with what's coming up next at soundshealstudio.com, on Facebook at Sounds Heal Studio, and YouTube on the Sounds Heal Studio channel. You can hear meditations, sound performances, and other podcasts. Be well. 
and stay tuned.